Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. This fortnight is episode 177, which is kind of a cool number, I guess. But anyway, I'm Russ, your host, K5TUX. We also have from wonderful, incredibly, probably nice weathered big sky country, Bill in E4RD. Good evening, everyone. And we also have Cheryl munching on peanuts. I'm not munching on peanuts. I'm eating a pecan. (laughs) We have Cheryl munching on pecans. Okay, (laughs) The one and only pecan. (laughs) And you dug it out of the entire bowl. Yes, I did. All right. It's actually 52 and raining. It's been raining all day. 52. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. We should probably just plow forward since we're almost on time tonight crazy it's a miracle 22 minutes behind i know which is like 22 minutes ahead of where we usually Usually are are, yeah (laughs) so let's talk about australia for a little bit yeah australia's uh been a little bit uh upside down here i think (laughs) the uh, australian radio frequency (laughs) spectrum plan review the uh, ACMA has opened consultation on its proposed update of the uh, Australian Radio Frequency Spectrum Plan. The ACMA announced that on its website on the 22nd of uh, September this month, or I guess last month, also expected to be reflected in the remake is the federal government's proposed new legislation that removes a prescriptive process to replace these... What? Wow, that was really how they wrote it, didn't it? <laughs> Yep. Basically, they're they're gonna they're gonna make the licensing system more flexible, and uh, I found this uh, on Southgate uh, ARC along with a few other interesting articles that kind of put some put a weird picture on uh, the Wireless Institute of Australia, which is uh, I guess equivalent to the AWRL here in the U.S. Yeah, you know, we might as well just dive into the next one because it's kind of interesting that the WIA is uh, preparing a submission for uh, this uh, new flexible licensing thing. When uh, the members are, are the WIA members are are to decide on on the organization review, the IARU member society, the Wireless Institute of Australia (WIA) has flagged a general meeting of its members to decide whether a review of the organization is needed. And I think the way they put it was like whether or not they needed to keep on going. Uh, they're looking at doing a uh, full audit of uh, the years uh, 2014, 2015, and 2016, probably because all the money went away. I don't know. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of weird. It, it's like uh, the stories don't jive together for some reason. Do you know anything on this? No, I didn't get a chance to look at this, but you did reference the 200-watt limitation on novice licenses, and I didn't know if that was a reference to an increase or a decrease. I believe it's an increase for them. I think they're limited to 50 watts right now. Well, that is kind of equivalent to the removal of code here in the States. It's something to get more people interested, I think. Yeah. I, 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 I guess get, the way the story was written, it was just really was weird. 
you know, I was, I was kind of confused as to whether or not they they're uh, they're looking at dissolving possibly the WIA or they're just uh, reviewing uh, maybe like trying to reboot the organization to see what the, the the membership really needs in the service and whether they're being affected or not. Yeah, sorry, effective or not. Well, I'm looking at the article on the Southgate website and it mentions a financial audit to review operations of the institute and yeah. I don't know if that's with an eye to dissolution of the organization but around where we live whenever there's a financial audit it's usually because the person in charge of the office just embezzled a whole lot of money <laughs> wow <laughs> not yeah may, maybe uh amusing but also true so yeah, it normally isn't a good sign. That's why I was like, eh, there's too many of these stories about the WIA going on right now. Uh, not much else uh, besides uh, contest news, a lot of NPOTA updates and stuff like that going on out there. Usually when it comes to a government organization, when somebody calls for an, a financial audit, it's usually because, hey, wait a minute, where the hell did the money go? Yeah, something's going on, yeah. <laughs> it's not, usually when there's a surplus, no one's like, oh, we better call for an audit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's usually yeah. like, where did that $8,000 go? Right. <laughs> it's probably like $800,000 if it's... Well, like, yeah, yeah, but... Right. <laughs> Scale of economies on a large organization. <laughs> But yeah, it's just uh, yeah, things are uh, are kind of weird upside down over there on the uh, other side of the planet. Stop making the upside down comments. We know what you're saying. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> have you have you ever been there? It's it's actually a really awesome place to go. No, it's definitely it's like one or it's number one or number two on my bucket list of places to go. So yeah, I've been there in New Zealand, and that's just yeah, it's amazing. All right, well, next time you go there, I'll hitch a ride. I guess. There you go. Sure. There you go. <laughs> Last time I went there was like 1991 or something like that. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so it'll probably be 2031 before I get there. So, there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we should probably move on. We'll, we'll jump out of Australia and jump back into just the world of technology and the DV4 Home, which is uh, another member of the successful family of DV4 products. Uh, it supports all the digital modes while simplifying and extending the supported functions. And while it acts as a home for the DV4 Mini, it can be easily used mobile or portable as well. A standalone unit that does not need a PC to operate. Although the DV4 Mini, in that case, is not included. Got this link from Wireless Holdings, which is actually the site where the DV4 Mini is sold. You can go to that site to buy these. So do you have one of these things, Bill, or... No, what I actually... I, I ran into that the, the other link there on Reddit... Uh, with a guy that was discussing the DV4 home that he has and doing a, an excellent review of uh, the good things and the bad things with the device. It kind of got into some of the politics of uh, wireless holdings and their management of the uh, support group, which is apparently a closed Facebook group. This guy got banned from the Facebook group uh, asking questions uh, with regards to the problems that they're having with that particular unit, or at least he's having with that unit. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting read because there's a lot of things the thing does, and then there's a lot of things the thing uh, kind of craps out while it's doing it. With everybody's individual problems and stuff like that, there's always some solutions out there but it was a, it was an interesting uh <laughs> definitely an interesting uh, reddit thread uh about the the product and the product looks interesting they've, they've had a lot of press and uh, videos and everything else on it you know kind of like trying to be the solution for everything i think we've talked about the little dv minis before you know taking a repeater and bridging uh dmr and d star and all the other digital modes 
this is supposed to support D-Star and DMR and Fusion and all the other things that the Ambi can do. One thing that seems to be notably lacking there is FreeDV and the Codec 2 protocols. They, they don't even mention them. But I did see that the software that's available for managing the units is actually available for Linux uh, as well as the other platforms, Mac and Windows. So at least the software to run these is compatible. I didn't read through the Reddit thread, so I'm not aware of the problems that people are having with them. But at least uh, for the Mini, it's a tiny little thing. It's barely big enough to create a USB dongle out of, and it's supposed to support all of these uh, digital voice protocols, which is neat in theory. And I believe this little thing runs Linux, too. So apparently you can set up some cron jobs to uh, restart the screen and stuff like that if the screen flakes out. They were uh, talking about that, too, as well. All right, very cool. And if you want to check out the original article and the site where you can get most of the information about the DB4, that's in the show notes, and the link to the Reddit article will be in there as well, too. As is uh, the case with Reddit often, there is much discussion about this. So, yeah, yeah. so you can inundate yourself if you choose, yes. I find that a lot of the amateur radio ones are uh, a little bit better than some of the others. At least some of the discussions are more... Uh, you're toward, uh, <laughs> you know, first first person knowledge of the devices and stuff like that. There's not too much trolling that goes on unless you're in the Bayafang group. <laughs> right. Not just a giant flame war. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've said the term flame war since the late 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Probably meant something different than too. <laughs> well, maybe so. That's true. Flame war maybe is what a... A competition among drag queens now? Is that a flame war? Oh, <laughs> harsh. Why is that harsh? <laughs> because. Well, you're harshing my mellow. Whatever. I, just, I don't even have a mellow. But anyway. <laughs> hey, we're all about supporting the LGBTQQIAPP, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> don't say PP. Okay. Let's. Uh, Let's move on from ham radio topics to open source topics. And we have a first one, which I, I have to say this will be amusing to somebody, I'm sure. I saw your first topic here that you put in there, which was 25 awesome things powered by Linux, which, by the way, is a fantastic article. And it lists 25 fantastic things. And these things are not specific things. They're like categories of things. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful read to, uh, to find out all of this stuff that's actually powered by Linux. Most of us probably already know all of these things, but there might be a few surprises in there for you. The first thing you put down was uh, TLDR. So I spent five minutes trying to find what this TLDR <laughs> thing was. <laughs> it's like, wow, is this new uh, type Linux digital radio thing that is, I've never heard of? And then oh, I stum stumbled upon the dictionary definition of TLDR, which means, for those who don't know, like me, too long, didn't read. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, so I just put the shortened list there. And it's actually fun. Uh, you know, the uh, the one that's always kind of cool is the uh, New York Stock Exchange. If you uh, watch the you know, news channels in the morning, they always have the person there doing the finance report from the New York Stock Exchange. And if you watch the screens, you can, you can actually watch uh, the Linux boot up in the background. It's pretty awesome. Now, one of these was in-flight entertainment systems, and I actually remember being on a flight and watching the boot-up screen. Yep, I have too. Yeah. I, I've seen that. Some of the other things that are kind of more interesting on this list are things like nuclear submarines, uh, smart fridges, and high-speed trains. 
uh, which is very cool. All of those systems run, or many of those systems run Linux. Don't want to have to reboot the train. Yeah, no, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all still Hold on. I got the blue screen of death. Let's reboot this thing. <laughs> Maybe that's hap- what happened to the train in Hoboken. Yeah, there you Maybe. go. That's friendly. Yeah, I know that thing. That's horrifying. There's there's been more than enough uh, talk of trains that have gone awry. Awry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, it's just been recently, within the last year or two. And then they're trying to implement that new system for safer train travel and, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's a government is involved and it's expensive and they're calculating how many lives they can lose before they have to actually implement it. That's how, you know. I know, that's how it works. That's how it so. works. All right, so here's another story that's something we already knew. Microsoft is the top open source contributor on GitHub. Yeah, we actually just talked about them, uh, I think, when we were talking about the deep, uh, uh, the big data look into F-bombs and uh, the spaces and tabs. We got into a discussion on uh, open source contributors. We did, and that was just in the very last episode that we talked about that. Somebody want to jump on this? Go ahead. You can read it. I'm, I'm looking at Cheryl when I say uh, this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I put it in there. I wasn't expecting to read it, well, but I'm, okay. Hey, you put it in there. Now you get to read it. There you go. Yay. All righty, then. Uh, Fully 16,419 contributors affiliated with Microsoft worked on open source GitHub projects during the past 12 months, GitHub said, ahead of the 15,682 from Facebook, 14,059 from Docker, and 12,841 from Angular. That also puts Microsoft ahead of Google, a company that has been far more closely identified with open source movement during its ascent to the top tier of the tech world. The Redmond Giant has increasingly embraced the open source model, contributing to projects and releasing some of its key software components, including .NET, PowerShell, as well as CNTK, the machine learning AI framework to use in its Cortana voice assistant. Other Microsoft open source projects include the JavaScript engine behind its new Edge browser, the compiling engine for Visual Studio, and Xamarin. Probably Xamarin. 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 Okay. Xamarin. That's yeah. right. Yeah. A containerization tool. Well, you, you couldn't say Xamarin, but you could say containerization. That's excellent. <laughs> well, you never know because I'm not even yeah. sure containerization is a real word. So. I'm not sure it is either. But okay. <laughs> One of those new words. A containerization tool. Increasingly, projects are not solely the purview of independent developers, but the projects of large teams backed by huge tech companies. Like Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, and yeah, that and came just, from just like problems. you mentioned last time. It's like you know they have a vested interest in these projects. That's why they put time in them. Yeah, generally speaking, when large corporations, particularly Microsoft, get in, invested in open source, it's a of a self serving nature. Even being self serving for themselves does lend some benefit to the community as a whole. So we can't totally dismiss it. Feels like yeah, yeah you're you're talking yeah. out your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a ton of cool things on there. Yeah, geez, I, I you know GitHub is my favorite place to go for awesome projects. Have they got the SSH client in PowerShell yet? Those dicks they they've been saying that's gonna like be there, and it's like there was just a story on that today. That apparently, in the uh, in the fastering build, there's a 16.04 Ubuntu download in the uh, Windows. Okay. Yeah, it's wherever I saw it. I just saw that just a few minutes ago. Uh, Ubuntu 16.04 available in the latest Insider update to Windows 10. In build 14.936 features Ubuntu 16.04 LTS. When the user enables bash on Ubuntu on Windows, the feature for the first time, 
this is from OMG Ubuntu. Uh, Windows 10 now installs a Ubuntu 16.04 Xenial Xerus image instead of Ubuntu 14.04 Trusty Tar. I guess uh, everybody was speculating that 14.04 would be uh, what ended up on there, but uh, looks like 16.04 is what's going to be coming uh, eventually to uh, the mainstream build. Okay, so am I getting from this that rather than install or rather than fixing PowerShell, you're just going to run a Linux distro to operate a CLI? I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean, hasn't that been like the uh, the way it's always been when you had Windows intermixed with Linux? You had uh, Sigwin and you had uh, what was the other one? Com Linux or something like that. I've, I've only used Sigwin, but yeah, that's basically the the same idea. Yeah, yeah, two different ones, and then if you yeah, you could always. If you only want certain tools, you can get Sigwin compiled EXEs for your system. If you want like LS and stuff like that, PowerShell already does LS and some of the stuff. Wow, it does LS. Yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> freaking <laughs> I'm amazing! Sure it does <laughs> unbelievable. And I think right. it even does PS too. <laughs> oh, how about that? I mean, that's had that for a long time though. Yeah, basically, if your if your Windows machine is up and running, the process scheduler is just way too heavy, heavily loaded anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, it's quite responsive. PS, I don't know if it'll do a PS Tech EF. No, it no, I'm, out. I'm sure the command is responsive. It's the system that I'm worried about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> me bashing Windows never. So Cheryl put in a story about a startup selling stamp size Linux servers for five whole dollars, which is awesome. Kind of, it's kind of misleading, actually, when we get down into it, but I'll go ahead and read this. A crowdfunding campaign for a stamp-sized Linux server development kit that is integrated Wi-Fi and onboard flash storage for DIYers to build hardware for IoT applications is live. Everybody know what IoT means? Internet of Things. Yes. We don't talk about the Internet of Things very much, but we probably should do an episode on it. Yeah, we can talk about the botnets. that's been rumbling in the news too lately boston-based onion corp said its new omega-2 computer is compatible with power sipping arduino motherboards but it also has the flexibility of a raspberry pi the five dollar computer expected to ship in december to early bird buyers comes in two iterations a base omega-2 with 64 megabytes of ram 16 megs of flash a $9 plus model has 128 megs of RAM and 32 megs of storage, along with a micro SD card slot for additional storage capacity. Uh, both computers use a 580 megahertz CPU. The computer can be expanded to support cellular and Bluetooth and GPS, and a dock needed to connect the computer to power and storage starts at 20 bucks. A uh, starter kit that includes the computer expansion dock, micro USB cable key pad, and an LED screen and several other parts can be had for a mere $75 US. Uh, this actually came out of the Network World uh, online e-zine, whatever the hell you want to call it. The link, of course, will be in the show notes. So here's another cheap single-board computer that uh, looks like it's positioning itself somewhere in between the Arduino and the Raspberry Pi. So yeah, there's that thing that costs $5 but requires $20 to actually make it work. So, uh, you know... <laughs> do that yeah you need a power supply and everything else come on right right yeah that's true a raspberry pi doesn't really cost 25 bucks i mean because you need all the other stuff too unless you already have all the other stuff then it then it costs 25 bucks so i don't know if i mentioned this on a previous podcast but speaking of the raspberry pi i wanted to build a main cabinet out of one of mine and i actually found all the components that i need on well not counting the jama connector for the for the joysticks 
uh, on Amazon for like 30 bucks that will actually let me convert the video output of the Raspberry Pi to an old uh, CGA monitor. And why would you do such a thing? Because we have a pile of CGA monitors. <laughs> well, no, we don't have a pile of CGA monitors, but we do have upright arcade cabinets, and that's well, yeah, what they okay. use. They right. use uh, five-pin analog CGA connectors. Uh, and those things actually exist where you can, you have to actually do a double conversion, HDMI to VGA, VGA to CGA, but then you can actually run all those old arcade games on an, you know, in an actual cabinet using the original monitor connected to a Pi. It's kind of cool that way. It's big enough for all of the games. Uh, well, a Pi connected to an external storage device is. Gotcha. We're old school gamers, what can I say? I, I love go. that stuff. Many, many cool things you can do with a Raspberry Pi. And presumably this Omega 2 from Onion Corp out of Boston. There you go. Are the same ones that do the Onion News? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing no. I don't, I don't know for oh, sure, okay. but I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to put my, I'm going to double down on no. It's not vaporware, is it? Well, uh, well we're talking about hardware. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's physical then. So <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't be vapor. Although it's actually right now a Kickstarter. So technically it is vaporware. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> they have a lot of kickstarter scams out there you gotta be careful of those i don't know this one made it to network world and they said that the initial ones are supposed to ship in december so that's only a couple months off i guess we'll see what yeah, happens that's not right? bad and they were up to almost eight hundred thousand. was that it eight hundred thousand in donations it's kind of like the ice maker for sonic eyes yeah they wanted like a hundred thousand dollars they got a couple of million out of it so you know. yeah that's nice. Good. Some Kickstarters yeah. actually find their niche, that's for sure. Oh, and by the way, containerization is a word. The definition of it is a system of intermodal freight transport using intermodal containers, also called shipping containers, made of weathering steel. And I don't think that's how they were using it, actually. Well, <laughs> no, but... We weren't exactly talking about J.B. Hunt trains. I don't know. Okay. They can usurp it, I guess, because they're talking, I mean, because Docker and, and technologies like that are all about containers. So, obviously, the tech community is going to borrow the uh, the term containerization. Steel. But, yeah, steel. I said borrow. I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, now that you're back and I read your story, you can read the, the last Flash topic. Linux kernel 4.8 is officially released. Linux kernel 4.8 has been in development for the past two months, during which it received no less than eight release candidate testing versions that early adopters were able to compile and install on their GNU Linux operating system to test various hardware components or simply report bugs. That's right, the Linux 4.8 kernel series was one of those special ones that received the eighth release candidate. Noted improvement was support for the Surface 3 touchscreen. Boo! Oh, shut up. It's a Microsoft thing. Microsoft creates the Surface tablet, so. Yeah, but everybody wants to put Linux on those things. That's true, and it does run Linux, so yay! Yay! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, where's my button? Come on. Excellent. All right, There you go. That was it. That's all that topic. We're going to move on. Sweet. So we're going to move into Linux in the Ham Shack, our third segment for the evening, and this is one that I actually threw in last minute, but it seemed uh, like it was worth mentioning. Uh, Logbook of the World is going to stop accepting contacts using early versions uh, as of uh, a couple of short months from now. Uh, on January 16th of 2017, the Logbook of the World application will no longer 
accept contacts that have been digitally signed by versions of TQSL earlier than version 2.0. Users of earlier versions are encouraged to upgrade as soon as possible, as older TQSL versions contain uncorrected defects and display inaccurate error messages. The current versions of TQSL for Windows, OS X, and Linux are available online. Uh, to date, Logbook of the World has confirmed some 135 million contacts for its 90,000 users. And that, of course, came from the AWRL, which is the uh, entity that puts out TQSL and Logbook of the World. Upgrade before January. I was uh, just checking to see what they have in the repo for Wh- which TSQL. repo. The the well, I guess Ubuntu mainline. TSQL, right? Trusted, or they call it trusted, don't they? T- trusted. TQSL, not TSQL. TQL. I always say that wrong. <laughs> Two point two. <clears throat> That's in. So yeah. So so as long as you're running something something at least recent, this is sixteen oh four we have on this machine here, and that one uh, has two point two in the repo. So you should be good as long as you're on the main line. Yeah, sixteen oh four is the current version. Although sixteen point ten should be coming out any day now. Yeah, we are into October. That's right. So look for that. You know, in our next episode, I imagine we're going to be talking about the new release of Ubuntu because it, it'll be out. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> we're going to install it. I can I guarantee you, we are going to give it a ham readiness score. We are. We are going to do that. And you're actually going to give us a readiness score for Gentoo, which I can't wait to hear about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I. Uh, I have a nice soft spot in my heart for Gen 2. I ran it for quite a while in production until it burned me so bad because <laughs> I was on the uh, I was on like the development edge or something like that. I forget what it was called back then, but there was like two different builds you could be running on, and I chose unwisely, <laughs> <laughs> and that that thing broke badly. And uh, that's when I was introduced to Ubuntu, surprisingly. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, here's something that's actually uh, somewhat stable, and uh, I don't have to compile every time I run something. I always remember having to set up all the boxes in the uh, laboratory uh, with disk uh, CC to do, all the compilers, to do all the compiling for the kernel and everything else on the Gen 2 boxes. But anyways, I, I uh, <laughs> get to the story here. Gentoo in the ham shack. Yeah, I did. I downloaded Gentoo. I wanted to give it a try. It's, it is a painful install. I would say it's probably more painful than Arch. And Arch is easily broken as well if you don't pay attention. And uh, well, yeah, it's before definitely you, not as sexy as Solus. Before you go on, if I remember correctly, there are three different levels of installation for Gentoo, right? There's quite, yeah. There's kind of like the easy one. There's the medium hard one, and then there's the basically you have to write the bytecode yourself version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went for the easiest, which still is not not terribly easy. I mean, you know, basically most of your your basic stuff's already built, so you can get a functional system, and then you can go back in and tweak, rebuild your kernel and stuff like that. But they kind of give you, a, you know, they kind of hold your hand through that very first part. But it does give you a, a great lesson in putting together a system because it does require you to do a lot of command line stuff. Yeah. There's just not a lot of e-builds out there for ham radio software. This, this, the Gen 2 unfortunately scores a 2.1, which is probably our lowest score. And my slack is going off because everybody at work is talking. So how did it get as high as a two? 
You know, it's Linux. <laughs> what? So the so the rating scale actually starts at two. It's like if it's Linux, it gets two, and then you go up. Well, from you it. know, you know, it's, it was installable. <laughs> you know, it wasn't terribly painful. It didn't break when I put it on uh, inside the VM. You know, I built it all and and everything else, and you know. It is what it is. It's completely different. You can't score it the same as saying, well, I had a push-to-click installer, and then boom, there was my install, and it was done. It's, it's a different uh, a different process. So I think it deserves at least a two. And the point one's for, you know, it, it had Hamlib. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's where I issue you a challenge to create a ham or an LHS readiness score for LFS. LFS. Yeah. Oh, boy. Are you going to have to look up it. what LFS is? Linux from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. so? I'm guessing it's going to be less than a 2.1. <laughs> yeah, it probably would be pretty low. It takes me, uh, you know, Arch. I could tell you Arch if I did Arch right now because I did blow up an install on Arch a couple times because I uh, forgot to get networking enabled. <laughs> and apparently it's pretty common to do this. Yeah, Arch would probably be like one point something. <laughs> <laughs> but What's I'm that? sure there's there are some uh, pre-built disks that you don't have to go through all that pain and suffering on, and uh, those actually do run quite well. And I, I was going to put one on here. I forget which one it was. I downloaded it, but I didn't install it. Um, so I'll probably do that one next time. But I did do one other system. I took my elementary OS system, and I said, geez, I'd really like to see what it feels like to be on the development branch which I guess is similar to the testing branch inside of uh, inside of Debian. Well, it'd be the unstable branch, I think. Anyway, so I, I pushed it up to Devel, Devel, or Devel, or Devel, development. I guess development, Denmark, Devel. It's like <laughs> it's like Fedora for Red Hat. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so you know, this this got me up to the latest packages for everything. I installed all the Ham Radio Pure Blend stuff. Uh, I did the disk upgrade on the system. From what was a 16.04 install uh, of uh, of elementary OS to uh, to development branch, and surprisingly everything worked. Rebooted it several days. You know, there's updates almost every day because it is on that development branch, which means you're one update away from explosion. I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's 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 life on the edge. It's not quite doing a true rolling release where they've actually done a little extra testing to make sure this is not going to explode with something else. But it does it does improve elementary OS score. If you happen to do this to your system, I don't recommend it unless you're uh, willing to take the chance <laughs> on it exploding on impact. But uh, <laughs> it did push up the score from, uh, what was it, the, probably like a 3.8 up to 4.0. I still couldn't get CQR logged to work. I think it had to do something with uh, MySQL or MariaDB. It would not load the configuration file. I don't know what was causing that. I was kind of trying to debug that out, but uh, I didn't spend a lot of time on it. I was, I was just kind of playing around with the other apps and making sure all the other apps worked fine, and and it did. And uh, uh, my recommendation is if you if you want Ubuntu, put Elementary OS on your system. It's it is the most beautiful Ubuntu system out there, even though they don't probably don't want to call themselves Ubuntu. <laughs> well, it's an Ubuntu derivative, so that's why yeah, they call themselves yeah. Elementary, and it's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. It's very easy to. It's a very. It's yeah. It's very good. It's a very good system. I think you need to use CQR log as your sort of yardstick for your rating scale because it seems like every distribution you try doesn't have the dependency to install the DB backend. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. It's so kind of want- interesting how <laughs> things kind of fall apart with that pretty quickly. It's uh, it's definitely a litmus test for uh, for these distributions. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I, if I had a different favorite logger in Linux, I probably might score it differently. You know, if I was, a, if I was just doing PyQSO or Xlog or what, Klog or, uh, you know, whatever, uh, it would probably be different. But, yeah, my, I mean, CQR or my log. Favorite. Oh, nah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> oh, nah. <laughs> Already. Were you not around for that one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, that was me on an earlier episode. Let me let me turn it down a little bit. Hang on. Maybe that was part of the problem. Here, let's try this again. Okay. No, there was an early episode apparently before your time, I, I guess. I think it was Richard Bailey. Oh, Maybe okay. so. But anyway, there's there's a logger out there, a, a really good one actually, called Tusnak. T U C N A K. It's but it's uh, not in the pure blend. Can't be that good. Are you sure it's not in the pure blend? It may not even Don't exist think. anymore. Yeah. No, I, I know <laughs> well, it exists. So, but anyway, it's let right. me boot my elementary OS VM as we uh, talk about this. <laughs> it's it's written by a Czechoslovakian guy, and the word Tusnok is actually Czech. It's Czech for penguin. That's why it's called Tusnok, and it's a it's a logger for for ham radio. How do you spell it? I'm sorry. T T U C N A K. It's probably got some weird, you know, check T-C-N-A-K. letters in it too, but that's the Americanized spelling probably. Yeah, yeah. But when I saw <laughs> when I saw the word, I just thought it looked like Klingon, so I said, <laughs> "Oh, nah." <laughs> so, Alrighty. Someone's living in the next generation. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Original series is better. All right. Well, there weren't Klingons on in that one, were there? Yeah, it does actually have some special uh, Czech characters. But if you look up, if you Google for T U C N A K, you'll find. I it. found it. Yeah, yeah. it comes well, from T U C N A K dot N A G A N O dot C Z. And there is Tuknock. Tuknock four point oh six is in the build. See, there you go. And guess what? It works. It works. It, it's there, and and it's sexy. No, just kidding. <laughs> this looks like an old Cursus application. I remember writing these back in uh, you know when I was a wee little one. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it does actually use the high order ASCII characters for like the block uh, lettering and stuff. Oh yeah, and he's using the curvy ones too, so it looks like really like like it's got tabs and stuff like that. Yep, and it is a contest logger for Linux, so. Yeah, it's actually not. No, it's not too bad looking. I mean, anybody that's used like CT and stuff like that back in back in the early days of computerized logging for uh, for contests and stuff like that, you know, be very familiar with this. Yeah, it's written by um, OK One ZIA Oscar Kilo One Zulu India Alpha. So two good logging programs from the Czech, huh? Yep. You got to OK One CQR, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's OK Two CQR. But, oh, it's okay too. Yeah, yeah, okay too. Yep, the checks yeah. like their loggers. But um, if you if you go to the wiki page for Tusnok and actually look down the very uh, first link in or Wikipedia, 
No, tusnock.nagano.cz okay, slash wiki okay, slash main page. <clears throat> main page, gotcha. Right. Now scroll down to the screenshots. Yeah. You'll notice Ooh, nice. Yeah, you'll notice that that's not all curses. <laughs> no, I didn't see this now. Now that looks awesome. Yeah, doesn't it? So he must be doing some like uh what do they call that? The frame buffering? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Well, see, now I gotta check it out. This is, <laughs> that is pretty slick. I want my map to have Europe in it too. This would be like, uh, you know. <laughs> would you like to play a game? <laughs> Thermonuclear war. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sorry. I love Matthew Broderick, and I love war games. That's that's good stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, elementary OS, yeah. If I wasn't running Solus, which is the better looking system, <laughs> I'd be running Elementary, and I'm, I'm probably still at a toss up because I like the fact that so much stuff works well and is already built. I don't have to do it myself because I'm kind of a, a busy guy. I don't have time to compile my own packages and stuff like that. Uh, if you want something, uh, you know, sexy and crazy and running fast and modern, all the yep. latest packages. Give no. it a try. You're you're a lot so, like me. That's when I when I want to run Arch Linux, I use Manjaro, so I don't yeah. have to go through all the trouble of doing all the things that Arch is supposed to do for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's like another one for Arch. <clears throat> what is the other one that's pre-built too? I know I downloaded it. Uh, I wanted to try that out, and I just did. I didn't have time to do it this week. There are several, actually. I think that's what that's sort problem? of uh, handhold you through Arch Linux. Oh, Antergos, Antergos. Oh, Antergos, yeah. Yep. That one's Arch, right? That is Arch, yes. And actually, I, I saw a cool thing, or I was listening to a, I don't know how old it is now, but a fairly recent episode of the Mintcast, and they were talking about uh, Black Arch, which is a pen testing distro based on Arch, which is really cool, if you're into that kind of oh. thing. No, I haven't, I haven't looked at that one at all. No, I, I was listening to one of the other uh, podcasts probably the Linux action show or something like that. And they were talking about Antergos or Antergos or I don't even know how to pronounce it, <laughs> but they'd mentioned it a few times and I'm like, huh, I'll check that out. That doesn't sound too bad, but I can't remember why I didn't, uh, didn't mess with it. I think, uh, I think there was something goofy with it when I ran the ISO, but I'll try it again. We'll yeah. See. I might do the, the rating scale on, on Manjaro. Cause I've had yeah, a lot of great. good luck with Manjaro. I, I like it actually quite a bit. So, yeah, that'd be fun. All right. And we'll have 16.10 to probably yeah, test run. to futz around with next time, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That sounds awesome. good. So I think we're done with our uh, topics for the evening. Well, at least the initial topics. So, oh, what? Cheryl's shaking her head like, no, we're not done. Oh, there was the thing about machine learning, but we're going to skip that one. Yeah, yeah. It's in the show notes. If you're interested in machine learning and the progress and, and open source with the relationship to it, I mean, there's just stuff piling into my newsreader every day about it and uh i just this story just caught my eye and then i i got to the end of it and i was like ah, i feel felt more like a commercial for a company so <laughs> I, I just kind of threw it in there for a placeholder you know a caveat emptor on that one so uh you know it'll be in the show notes you know take a look at it it does provide some interesting links to other things plus it it also links to a Docker image that you can download yourself um, with a basic machine learning AI uh, built into a Docker container. You know, that may be something you want to just play with, if nothing else. So we're going to move on from, uh, I don't know, tech 
BS to some music. Well, for some reason, I was feeling like I wanted to hear some Irish music today. So uh, I found this track. I, I basically was scouring Jamendo looking for our Irish music and found lots of good stuff, but this one was particularly interesting to me. It's by a woman named Shaban Day. It's uh, a track called Start, and the album that it comes from is The Start of Something Else. She is from Belfast in Ireland. This was released earlier this year in April of, of 2016, so it's relatively new music. Runs a little shy of three and a half minutes, and uh, I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit, so I hope you do as well. Here is Shaban Day with Start.
All right, that's Shabon Day with Start. That was not oh, what I I'm was sorry, expecting. Sorry, I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm, I, apparently I'm just going way too mellow on everybody. God, we had some uh, hipster music last week, and. <laughs> <laughs> What you can't you can't oh, no. enjoy a little no. Irish you know acoustic fun. music? I love the stuff. Quite you, frankly, you won't let me pick any music out. So you never do pick music out if you want to. pick Oh some no, music. no no no! I've picked music and you went absolutely not. Delete. If it's so, crap, I'll say that. Yeah, but yeah, you and I have much varying tastes <laughs> on music. So that's very true. Okay, so I guess we'll try and wake everybody up now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry. You know, I've I've just been I've been crazy busy this past weekend. We uh we uh rolled a joint from beta to QA <laughs> to production in three days. So it uh, <laughs> spent a lot of hours in front of the computer, and my mind is about toast. <laughs> All right. Well, then we should probably roll on. We didn't have any feedback for this time because, as usual, I was late about releasing the last episode. Uh, and we've been busy. I, yeah, we've been very busy. I, I didn't have any announcements that I wrote down for the show notes, but I did get some prompting from a couple of people who have emailed me about my other podcast. So what I've done is I've set myself a goal of actually releasing another episode of Tech and Loathing by mid-January. Well, that's so, good. You might be able to squeeze in an hour or two between now and then. Right. Uh, my plan is to uh, to plan for five episodes that we'll be doing uh, and recording on the the alternate Linux and the Hamshack Monday. So there should be a live broadcast every Monday. Just one will be Linux and the Hamshack, and the other will be Tech and Loathing. And I've uh, tried to commit myself to at least five episodes of that, and we'll see what happens or if it goes anywhere. So... Uh, huh. <laughs> so if you want to check out the the 14 episodes of that podcast which do actually exist you can go to tech and loathing.info and well we'll see what happens you haven't recorded one though since you've been back right no the last one i released was like february of 2014 i think yeah something like that. So. yeah before you moved here basically Yep. Wow, you're yeah. just keeping right on top of those. <laughs> I've I've actually got an Etherpad for that podcast, and I have lots of stuff in it. Um, so I've got lots of content. I just got to get around to doing it. Time yep. is oh, yeah, you, even, you even had a video content. Look at you, a lower third and everything else. He's special. He is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So anyway, there's that. But moving on from my being special, let's talk about some food at Sherbel's. It's Sherbel's. Sherbel's. Chernobyl's. Chernobyl's recipe corner. Oh, it's like, watch out. All right. No, it's Cheryl's recipe corner. So right. When you find Cherbel or whatever her name is, <laughs> let me know. She was the witch I was fondling earlier. I see. Well, now at least I've got a name. <laughs> all right (laughs) go ahead all right whatever hang on let me get the tears out of my eyes (laughs) dang allergies (laughs) okay so this week we've we've that was my uh, glass of wine hitting the microphone stand (laughs) (laughs) see bill gets wine i get bottles of water what is up with that I, I asked well, you what you wanted to drink. To start with. Oh, okay, gotcha. Just turned into wine. Gotcha. 
So, you know, last time I said that I was going to start fixing food on the day of the podcast to feature as the recipe that night. And well, that didn't happen this week. So we're diverging slightly. Maybe next time we'll be back on that schedule. And I hope to actually do that. But this week I picked a chicken fajita bubble bake, which is what I fixed, I believe, last Monday or Tuesday. If you're a person who likes fajitas, then this is definitely something you should plan on preparing it's it's the lazy way to fix fajitas and it's a casserole so it works great um i did make some alterations to the original recipe one i made my own fajita seasoning and used three times the amount it called for but you'll find out why i did that in a second the original recipe calls for one can of biscuits i actually used four because i used a 10 by 14 pan and i used a layer of biscuits in the bottom and a layer of biscuits on top of everything And the third thing I did is the recipe actually calls for red bell peppers and green. I just use green. So um, with when I cook the peppers and onions, I put them in a dry nonstick pan for a few minutes to get a light char on them. Then I added some butter to uh, go ahead and, you know, finish sauteing those. But anyway, the uh, the original recipe, it calls for one can of refrigerated biscuits or you can make your own package of fajita seasoning mix or you can make your own diced red and green bell peppers diced onion vegetable oil some uh, boneless skinless chicken breasts that you've cut into bite-sized pieces some water and some cheese and you get your cheese and your onion and pepper all cooked up or cheese excuse me chicken onion and pepper all cooked up throw it in on top of the biscuits if you put them in the bottom if not throw the biscuits on the top bake them put some cheese on it it was really good the recipe for the fajita seasoning is super simple. And of course, this recipe will be in the show notes for both items. So what did Russ think of it? I enjoyed the fajita bubble bake. I'm not sure why it's called bubble bake. Biscuits. But, oh, biscuits. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. You probably didn't need to go to quite the extreme you did as far as feeding, you know, 40 people. But uh, I was just trying to use stuff up that was in the fridge. So. Right. No, it actually came out very good. Um, the biscuits came out nice and flaky, and of course you had the the normal fajita ingredients like the, the, the seasoned beef and the onions and peppers and everything inside of it. And chicken, not beef. Or chicken, right, sorry. <laughs> but you could probably do it with beef. Oh, too, yeah, you so could do it with absolutely. steak or, what, or a hamburger or whatever you wanted to use. So. But it comes out in a casserole pan, so you just take a spatula to it, cut out a you know a little wedge, throw it on your plate, and I actually quite enjoyed it. We ate it for, what, three days afterwards? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah the, uh, the biscuits take the place of the fajitas, so are the uh, burritos. The tortillas. Tortillas, yeah. 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 Duh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's all good you should give that a try the recipe for both the seasoning and the bubble bake itself the original recipe and of course cheryl did make modifications so you can adjust as you see fit but those will both be in the show notes and uh, they're highly enjoyable and, and very easy to fix it doesn't take a lot of time to prepare i mean a little bit of saute work a little bit of assembly uh cook it in the oven for a while and you're done so and, slicing and dicing and, yeah yeah and if you've got a food processor, that cuts time down in a big way. It, yeah, so. it does. Which I was too lazy to drag the food processor out. So, you know. Yeah, what I there say? you go. <laughs> Aren't you All glad right. you bought me that nice big, you know, really <laughs> yeah, absolutely. expensive food processor? <laughs> <Right. laughs> it gets used once in a blue moon. Yeah. I, I will warn everybody, for me to put a recipe 
out for everybody is very difficult because I just use a recipe as a starting point if I even use a recipe. So sometimes it's hard for me to actually figure out what I've done to get a recipe out for you guys. So please be forgiving with me on that one. Because sometimes, <laughs> it, you know, it, and it's literally my brother owned his own restaurant and he's the same way. When I say, hey, how yeah. do you make that? He's like, uh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> like, okay, and that's There's slight great. derivations each time, depending upon what you have sitting on the counter. And, and that's right. exactly yeah. it. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't do feel like going and getting the onion powder. I'm just going to skip that this time. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard I'm a lot exactly of exactly the same way. I just, you know, I look around, see what's on the counter, what I didn't put away last time. I'm like, oh, that's going to flavor good. the chicken yeah. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard many complaints, so... Have yeah. there been any yeah. complaints? No, I don't think there have been a okay. single complaint. All right. so. Well, that's good. All right, so we're going to move on to our social media roundup. Ooh, all right. right. So hey, I just want to say one thing. The yes. uh, the map in Tuknak is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been playing with it for a while here, and it's like, ooh, that's <laughs> neat. Just, <laughs> you can zoom in and out. <laughs> it's pretty slick. Ooh, ah. Uh, Shiny. There you Pretty. go. <laughs> Bill, Bill learned something tonight. Well, yeah. It is. It's cool. It is really slick. I want to get weather on there, though. I can't get weather. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? You can write it yourself. That's true. I could. Yep. <laughs> He's like pondering guess, over guess the corner right Guess what's not going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I finish the SQL database script, then I have to get working by tonight. Hey. Well, we should probably get moving then. Social yeah. media around. <laughs> Let's get on it. All righty then. Uh, donations and subscriptions. Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ikey, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schram, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Rob Branch-Dash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gover, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, Jason Marinero, James Blocker, Doug Redder, Mike Lasky, Darren King, Petro Kartsakis, Donna Farron, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, Jeff Cannell, and John Fotschke. Woo! Not one hiccup in the bunch. Yay! <laughs> On Facebook this time, we had Marlon Bongapat. I'm guessing. I, th- I think that might be right. Uh, Google Plus was Mohan Arthanari and Jeremy Ryan. Twitter was at KB2YSI. Nobody joined us on YouTube. Kevin Lukey joined us on the mailing list. And Steven Taylor bought something. Okay, why did you turn Kevin Luke into Kevin Lukey? Oh, sorry. <laughs> See? Because I actually... Wendy Lukey. But isn't there a C in that? No. Okay. But her name is pronounced Lukey. So I actually think hers is L-U-E-Y. But okay. anyway, sorry. Well... So, it could be Kevin Lukey, but I'm going to guess that it's, it's Luke, Kevin Luke. Right. Okay. So I'll redo that again. <laughs> Mailing list, Kevin Luke and merchandise sales, Stephen Taylor. That's right. We had merchandise sales Woo-hoo! again. I know. It's Woo. amazing. More than once in a year. It's <laughs> amazing. I know. It's truly amazing. Um, <laughs> well, it must be that Sunday morning Linux review or whatever. That well, they, absolutely. They still right. advertise us. Well, they the do. With that really so, old, uh, and actually, um, I, I actually like. I, I hate to admit this because it's been so long, 
but I actually listened to the most recent couple of episodes of the Linux Link Tech Show, and they still advertise us too. So oh, I don't listen to that one. The Linux Link? The Linux Link Tech Show. Tilts, T-L-L-T-S. The thing is, do you not have something like when you're mentioned on Google or whatever where it comes up? Yeah, on Google specifically, but we could be mentioned in any Anything, number of other right, ways okay. that yeah that we're not aware of. So I, I should put that put this out there that if you have a promo for your own podcast, uh, send, send it, it to us. Yeah, send it to us. We'll definitely play it. I mean, because there are people out there who are playing our promo, even though it's like four years old now. Maybe you should yeah, do it. We record on Wednesdays, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Every other Wednesday. Yeah, we, we. I definitely need to get in touch with Dave and have him uh, update our promo so we can get that out <laughs> to the people who are still playing it for whatever reason. Uh, should, should should make one and send one out. See, I always thought it was cooler if somebody who didn't sound like me was doing the promo. Oh, oh, I see. I, I, I <laughs> so, and he has his friend Dave that does the music for the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Okay, Which he would probably sense. whip one out in. 30 minutes yeah i'm sure he could so and he's the one who wrote our our intro and outro music and everything so i'll just have to hit dave up and say dave it's been four (laughs) years we need a promo (laughs) i think he's in the middle of recording something for gamma leonis right now i don't even know if he does gamma leonis Uh anymore he does wow we're friends on facebook baby and you don't he does gamma leonis he also does the lobster obscura and well maybe it's lobster obscura he's in the process of doing something right and he so, also does stuff for the Wimshurst machine and Yeah, no, it's it's lobster or Gamaleonis right now. Yeah. Probably lobster, but I think I think Gamaleonis is kind of a back burner thing right now. But Maybe. Uh, anyway. Alright, well that's it. So let's let's try and regroup here. Um I don't know where we were at. Oh yeah. We were done the with the show, right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Steven Taylor <laughs> bought some merchandise. Woohoo! <clears throat> More merch. Me. Yay. Yay. So anybody can buy some more merch if they like. And if they want to send us a promo for their podcast, please send it our way. Info at lhspodcast.info. We'd love to play it for you. Uh, whenever we get promos about upcoming Linux Fests, Ham Fests, podcasts, whatever, uh, we throw them right up front uh, so everybody knows about your project because, you know, we like to share the love. So. Yay. All right, well, that said, I think the show is about over. I'm looking at the chat room. I don't see a whole lot going on in there. Uh, Just Jay, more Badger. Yeah, more Badger. Jay Lindsay asked if we were trending on Twitter yet, and I'm pretty sure we're not. So, <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say we have not ever trended on Twitter. but well, We can take care of that. But yeah, we, we need to well, I don't know. We just need to make friends with Jimmy Fallon. Then we can trend on Twitter well, all the time. That's true, yeah. So we're going to check out for this fortnight. I'm going to push the button. We're going to hear some outro music. And, oh, look, there it is. So you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux Con or Ham Fest. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine LHS show. That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit our IRC channel, Octothorpe LHS Podcast, on the Freenode Network, and subscribe to our mailing list. 
Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS podcast. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summer, 0200 Zulu in the wintertime. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Please check us out at http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info for everything you ever want to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, sponsors, and just everybody who likes us, who are live, quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. My name is Russ, K5TUX. This has been episode number 177 of Linux in the Hamshack. So we'll say goodnight to you from Studio 3D in Southwest Missouri. And we also have out in big, warm, fuzzy, blue sky country in Montana, Bill, any 4 rd 73, everyone. And from Cheryl, who sits across from me every week. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you all in two weeks' time. Take care, everybody.